Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey, Jonathan. How's it going? Still quarantined. Locked at home. Stay at home. Whatever you want to call it. Staying at home. I'm still staying Staying at home. Staying at home. You know what? This actually reminded me of something this week. So in January of this year, Dr. Floyd challenged our staff to have a word for the year. Yes. I remember that. A word and a a verse. Right. So my word for the year was stay. Well, you have done that. Congratulations. You get a gold star. Yes. I didn't think this is what it was going to be. There was a song. There's a song by Jess Ray. I thought you were going Lisa Loeb on us here. No, no. But it pulls from John 6 where... Jesus looks at his disciples and says, you know, when, when all the people had left and he basically says, are you going to go too?" And they say, uh, where else would we go? You know, where, where else are we going to go? Um, you, you have the words of eternal life. And so she's got a, the, in the line, it says, um, it doesn't matter what, if the whole world turns away, I will stay with you. And so that had been just a song that I love that passage. And that had been a song that had really been in my head. So I camped out on stay as my word. I still think I need it needs to be about that, but I got tickled the other day when I realized, boy, stay really has been the thing for 2020. So, you know, but yep, still in the house. Uh, North Carolina is supposed to be a very low-key lifting of the stay-at-home order May 8th in one week, and then we will start into phase one. Same with Nashville, I think. We're, yeah. we're we're pushing to like that first week of May as well. So we've we've moved it back. The rest of Tennessee, I think, is starting to get back things open May first, which is today. So right. we'll see. We'll see what happens. And and now I'm kind of hurting because I went with Lisa Loeb with Stay. You know, you you know that song from 1994, back in the day. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I could sing it by heart, but I'm not going to. Yes, don't do that. And then, but I I totally forgot about the cut off of the Red album a few years ago. Stay, stay, stay. Oh, yeah. you, Yeah. I, I also think that you just said that all of this is your fault because that's the word you picked. Nope. Didn't say that. Did not say that. Just said How Ironic, which is another great song from the 90s. Wow. But, yep. <laughs> Deep cuts today. On, yeah. On this, on we're heading we're, we're heading back. Didn't even, didn't even plan all this. I know. Didn't even plan all this. All right. So what else going on, Jonathan? <laughs> So, Amy, we, we have some big news from Lifeway this week. They announced a, a major budget cut of 25 to $30 million, which is around 10% of the budget at the resource provider, uh, including spending freezes and staff layoffs, unfortunately. Ben Mandrell, the CEO of Lifeway, did say this is an economic crisis prompted by the COVID-19 pandemic uh, that just made the cuts necessary immediately. Mm-hmm. With churches not meeting, things at Lifeway have, have taken a steep drop. They mentioned in the story that the revenue across their key channels is down 24% compared to the year prior. A lot of people holding off on vacation Bible school materials, also bulk orders from churches. And then, you know, we're looking at camps and events. We don't, we've, we know they've right. already canceled events in May. Uh, you know, I don't know when the next event, you know, large events are going to happen. Those are kind of on right. hold indefinitely, but camps. Uh, with the exclusion of Camp Crestridge and Camp Ridgecrest, have been canceled for June. And, yeah. you know, we, we don't really know 
what July looks like right now. They're still kind of holding out for that, but I, I don't know if what's going to happen there. But a 24% decline in your major channels. Uh, they say that five consecutive weeks of steep revenue decline and the budget cuts are going to be about you know, 10% of the LifeWay budget. They've also frozen discretionary spending and hiring. They suspended salary increases and matching 401k contributions to all employees. And additionally, the members of the executive leadership team are giving up one month salary beginning in May. You know, when we think about this, so when this all started, I wanted to continue trying to help. So I've ordered books Instead of ordering from Amazon, I've ordered from two places. One has been Lifeway and then our local bookstore here in Wake Forest. Shop local. Yeah. I mean, they still are basically running orders and then they're delivering to houses around town. So those were two you know, places I just wanted to help. Well, they are seeing, you know, continued growth on book sales and Bible sales from people like me. And so that's a great help. But that does not make the difference on things like you said, bulk orders from churches. Because yeah. churches aren't meeting, they don't need those resources and they need to make those budget yeah. cuts. And so there's just not really an easy way for your standard kind of online retail orders to make up for that. Yeah. You ordering a $12 book is not the same as a church ordering $2,000 worth of curriculum. Exactly. And then, so there's just no way, there's no way to, to make it up without some serious cuts. Yes. Serious and deep cuts. A couple of other notes in the story here. They do still have about $44 million in the reserves uh, that they have over there, but they've also tapped into their line of credit for 17 million in cash. So, uh, there's a couple of things like that. They are not altering the pension plan and their contribution to that. There's about 2000 retirees that receive monthly pension checks from Lifeway. So those will not be infected. Uh, they've just frozen the benefits of the amount of those pension benefits. Yes. They've also, of course, we talked about Ridgecrest last week. Uh, they've also, announced that they will begin a feasibility study of the corporate office building, that no decisions have been made about that. It's only opening a feasibility study, but options could include leasing floors to outside occupants, selling the building and leasing back office space, moving to another location, things like that. And so they have opened up a feasibility study just to see what the possibilities are. Yeah. So we'll track that and any other changes that come from Lifeway. Speaking of changes at Lifeway, though, World Changers uh, was one of the affected areas. We have a story up on Baptist Press on May the 1st about World Changers. It's been around for 30 years, uh, but it looks like year 30 will be the end of World Changers as it has been suspended. That ministry has been suspended and all World Changers camps this summer have been canceled. So uh, some some sad news on the the world changers front. I know uh, I, I've got some friends that were really involved in that, and I know this will be a sad day for them to see this. But with the, the decline in numbers of participants, as well as the closing of uh, all the camps this summer because of COVID-19, just not a feasible ministry for the future. So uh, those of you who have done world changers in the past, I know many of you are fond of that. Uh, but that is going away over at Lifeway. Some other news from Lifeway on the research side of things. Uh, Amy, we, we talked about the lockdown and staying staying home. Churches uh, are staying put as well. We're, less than 10% of churches are, are meeting right now. And, and I would guess the 10% that are very small churches in rural areas that aren't really impact, impacted too much by COVID-19. But uh, the new research in, in April, Amy, what does that show us? 
Yeah, so what it showed is nine in 10 Protestant pastors. So this is is a research project that talked to Protestant pastors. Nine in 10 said that they did not meet for an in-person worship service last month in the month of April. So even with Easter, you know, because there's a lot of conversation about that, they just, they continued to avoid meeting. And we sort of knew that as we were watching uh, as we were watching stories online and we knew talking to people. So this is not a huge surprise, but the data does back that up, that the behavior of churches changed and we can see that quantitatively. Three in 10, so 30% say as they start planning now when restrictions are lifted, three in 10 say they're going to resume worship services first with small groups meeting later. Around 23% say they're going to wait a few additional weeks after restrictions are lifted and then kind of get back gradually. And about 16% are planning on resuming all normal activities right away with 7% starting with small groups first and worship services later. So, you know, kind of across the board. And then uh, 24% say they haven't made plans yet for resuming activities. So this is very interesting research to come out in the time where, Everyone's sort of trying to figure out what to do, and we're getting to hear a lot of anecdotal stories. The statistics are able to show some of the different things people are considering. And we've seen a rise in online and digital services from churches. Uh, 97% of churches, almost all churches, are offering some kind of digital worship service option. That's up from 92% back in March. So they, they surveyed churches in March, so we've had a few others add that in April so in April, 97% of churches were doing worship online. About a quarter said they continued live streaming the service as they were doing before. So we only had about 22%, about a quarter of churches were already live streaming before the pandemic. And now that number's up to 97%. So it'll be fascinating to see where that drops back down to when regular services start again. I'm guessing it'll drop down to a new normal that'll be drastically above that 22% coming into this. Because I think a lot of churches are seeing the benefit of that. So on the giving side of things, 16% of churches say that they have added online giving and 48%, about half of churches, say they continue to offer it as they did previously. So you had 48% of churches saying that, hey, we were already doing online giving, we're still doing that. And you've had about one in six churches say, hey, we've added it, we didn't have it before. But you still have about 35% saying that they do not offer online giving still. So I wonder if that will change as we go back into May. Uh, But it's just fascinating to see how this has changed practice within the church. And speaking of giving, 40% of pastors say that giving has decreased compared to earlier this year. But 42% are saying that it's stayed at similar levels. And then you've got 9% say that it has increased and another 9% just unsure on where they are right now. So people are expecting it to really drop across the board. 40% is still pretty big for a drop in giving, but to have 42% saying that, hey, we haven't seen anything. And then 9% say we've seen it increase. So yeah, I, that, I, that tells us I, something. that feels good to me, at least. I mean, that means that that means basically 50 percent are saying it either stayed the same or went up. So yeah. that's that's good news. Yeah. All right. So last quite they asked a lot of questions in this that are really relevant to to discussions we've been having and things that I think we've all been wondering. So conversation about the CARES Act that's been going. They asked about that as well. So 40 percent 
of uh, the Protestant pastors that they surveyed. This was an online survey of 470. So 40% of them say that their church has applied for government assistance offered through the CARES Act. And then 56% say they have not. Around a quarter of them, about 23%, say their application was accepted. So that means out of all those who applied, 59% got approved. So that's interesting as well, because a lot of people, you know, were were trying to decide if they were going to. And yeah. Amy, that has actually been extended now. So we may even see this number go up because, you know, we had that, that first little window that closed right. on, on the, the Paycheck Protection Program, but that's been extended. They, they added money to that. So it's possible right. that we may see this go up and more churches be able to take advantage of that. Yeah, it could happen. And they they pointed out that the smaller the church, the less likely they were to have applied for this. That half of pastors at churches, 200 or more in attendance, half of them say they're a church, their church applied for it. But among the, some of the smallest churches, like... Uh, fewer than 50 in attendance, only a third of them applied. Hmm. Um, so it, it just kind of shows some variations. We'll put a link to that in the show notes so that you can go and look at all of the details. But this this really, they did a, a real service. There's a lot of data here. Yeah, data that answers the exact questions that many of us have been trying to get our minds around. Yeah. So thank you, LifeWay, for that information. A lot of information. I, I really recommend you go and see the entire study there. Because, uh, like we said, there's just a lot of data in this, and uh, we, we've only kind of skimmed the, the highlights. So uh, that's over at our show notes and over at LifeWayResearch.com. You can find out more information about all of the research that they've done around the coronavirus and what churches are doing. Just kind of see where, where maybe your church is. Uh, Amy, out to Gateway, we've got some trustee news from the West Coast. I think we're done. This is the last seminary trustee meeting. Yes. And it was like all the others, it was virtual. Mm -hmm. So they had a, a virtual meeting. They approved a 2020-2021 budget of $11,500,000. That's 2.1% less than what they had last year than the 2019-20 budget. And they authorized the seminary's participation in the Paycheck Protection Program. Yes, they've requested around $1.6 million in federal relief, uh, and they were going to use uh, about $1.2 million of that. So uh, since they have no mortgage debt, almost all the funds of the program will be used for payroll purposes. So that allows them to help cover costs for payroll expenses out there at Gateway. Yes, and they they pointed out that a lot of the things that they already had in place helped them to not have to have a huge budget reduction, you know, because this is, it's 2.1% reduction from last year. It's a 3.8% reduction from their original budget proposal. But, you know, a lot of the things from really from selling their former campus had put them in a better, a better spot. So uh, Jeff Orge, the president there is quoted as saying they're a fiscally conservative seminary that they have no debt. They live on their income. They've been frugal and they have reserves from the past and from what they invested after the sale of the the former campus and so it it put them in a spot where this between that and the paycheck protection program the cut to their budget was not as large as maybe we've had to see in some other entities yes Good news from Gateway. Thankful for the leadership of Dr. Orge out there in Ontario, California. Uh, some news from Guidestone, Amy. They have moved 
the Mission Dignity Sunday to August because of COVID-19 and churches not being able to meet right now. So they realize that it's kind of a, a tough time. Churches on the budget side of things, we just talked about that a minute ago with the Liferay Research. So they've moved that back to the end of August uh, to be able to uh, celebrate Mission Dignity Sunday that is sponsored by Guidestone. And that's a time that churches can actually raise a special offering. And so that's another reason that they wanted to do it when churches would be meeting. The materials are, are already there. They're available for Mission Dignity Sunday. So churches can use them at any time. But this is kind of the, the, the time when a lot do it is when they all do it on the same day. Yes. Now, just as a reminder, that doesn't mean you have to wait until August 30th to give to Mission Dignity. You can give to Mission Dignity anytime you want. Exactly. Um, so we would we would heartily encourage that. Yes. They uh, had their biggest year last year uh, ever of Mission Dignity, you know, biggest contribution year ever. Right. And it's and and that is an incredibly important ministry at this time, particularly with the fact that most that that the Mission Dignity recipients are going to be people who are in an at-risk group. So mm-hmm. even as we start to see some of the restrictions lifting, in a lot of places at-risk groups are asked to not really lift restrictions. So the, the need for Mission Dignity is is maybe even stronger than ever. Yes. So you can find out more about that over at mdsunday.org. That stands for Mission Dignity. That's Mission Dignity Sunday, August the 30th, mdsunday.org. Some news from Southwestern, Amy. They officially announced this week that they plan on classes resuming on campus in August. When the governor of Texas, Greg Abbott, announced that he would let the stay-at-home order expire and start a phased reopening of businesses, they said, all right, it's time for us to make our announcement that we will start preparing this summer to make the facilities as safe as possible, and we're going to get ready uh, to come back on campus. Yes, Amy, they are planning on doing a deep cleaning in the months preceding the beginning of the semester, and they also noted that adjustments will be made to class sizes and the use of classrooms to ensure that all public health recommendations relevant upon a reopening are strictly and faithfully observed. So they become the first seminary to say for sure that they are having that. Uh, we did ask them over at Baptist Press at the other seminaries if they were intending to have on campus. All of them answered in the affirmative. So our, our seminaries are are intending to have it. Southwestern first to come out and say, yes, we're going forward. We're in doing August. it. And here's, yeah, yep. and here's what we're doing. And to here's prepare. how we're doing it. So, yep. Yeah. But this will, I mean, it'll take the whole summer, I think, to probably oh, yeah. get that ready and to, to make that adjustment to transition back. Yeah. So their first day of classes is set for August 17th. So about three and a half months uh, they've got to, to kind of get things ready, about 105 days or so. And uh, we wish them all the best in that and, and the rest of our seminaries, too. We, we would love to see full seminaries this fall and full seminary campuses uh, with uh, all that's going on. I know that'd be great for all of our seminaries. Some news from the ERLC. Amy, you got some staff changes over there with the departure of Philip Bethencourt to Central Baptist Church in Bryan College Station, Texas. He's going there to be the senior pastor uh, just a week that's ago. Right. Uh, we've got a new executive vice president. That's Daniel Patterson. Should be no stranger to anyone over at the ERLC. He's been there uh, since Dr. Moore came in 2013. So Daniel will move up into that role uh, vacated by Philip leaving. Also, good friend of the pod, Dan Darling, has announced he has left. He started today, I think, uh, May the 1st, as the senior vice president over at the National Religious Broadcasters Organization. So congrats to Dan on his move over to NRB. Uh, that makes way for some other changes over at ERLC, some elevations and some changes 
range of roles. Brent Leatherwood. Uh, all of these really are friends of the pod, right? I mean, we, we work with these guys Absolutely. and gals on a, yep. a regular basis. Brent Leatherwood is the new chief of staff at the ERLC, uh, working with Dr. Moore. And then Elizabeth Graham, who is the director of events, will also supervise women's initiatives and coordinate the ERLC's pro-life efforts, including Stand for Life and Evangelicals for Life. Travis Wusso, who's the general counsel and vice president for public policy, will lead their work regarding sexual abuse in churches and the Caring Well Initiative. And also Jason Thacker, the creative director at the ERLC, is the new chair of research in technology ethics. And Josh Wester is the new chair of research in Christian ethics. So congratulations to all our friends over there at the ERLC and uh, and also those who have moved on in their new roles. You know, for just thinking about Dan Darling, that normally when you have this, you have sort of your last day at one office and your first day at another office. Yeah. But... With the stay at home order. First Zoom call. (laughs) Right. With this stay at home order, it's like it doesn't look any different. So he's just got a different set of responsibilities. But I hope that it's a good first day for him. Yes, absolutely. And uh, all the best to him and Philip in their new roles. That's going to do it for our news this week, Amy. That's going to move us to my favorite part of the week this week in SBC history. Amy, blow our minds. This time we're going to go to 1985 to the May 1st issue of Baptist Press to a little story at the end of the issue. And uh, I'm just kind of interested in finding some unique things. Should I say very unique? Nope. Jonathan? You should not. The headline is Ring Lost in Jungle Found in Unbelievable Events. And so it tells this story. They they make the comparison with Ripley's Believe It or Not. I've seen this Indiana Jones movie, I think. Yes. So a graduate of Southern Seminary in Louisville lost his class ring on a mission tour in Belize. In So he had graduated in 1970. Now, it doesn't say when he lost it. He took it off and because he, he was taking a swim in the jungle and... It says that a clerical staff member got a call from the Louisiana Nature and Science Center in New Orleans and that this guy who worked there had been to Belize and he found a Southern Seminary class ring with the year 1970 and the initials SWS. And so he called the seminary. They checked their records. There was only one 1970 graduate with those initials and it was William Stoney Shaw. So this is like this crazy thing. Now, they just end it with believe it or not. So they don't tell about um, this graduate, like how he got reunited with his ring. I would love to find out more. It's just sort of telling. In the Boy, mail? This is, That's probably I guess how. so. I guess this is crazy. But UPS. can you imagine this guy from the Nature and Science Center who's on this trip to Belize, and then he looks down, and there's a class ring from Southern Seminary. But kudos huh. to him for going back and tracking it down. And so... Yeah. Um, kind of a, a Ripley's Believe It or Not moment, SBC style, and it was all reported this week in SBC history. So I guess it was like the the things that you see on the back of cars now, the monograms where it's like the little S, the big W, the little S. Probably so, yes. William yeah. Stoney Shaw would be WSS. Right. right? So I think Not it's probably, yeah, done like with the, the first name. Little, the big, middle. little. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. that's neat. That's kind of cool. All right. Well, congratulations to William for uh, getting his ring back. <laughs> yeah. And why, why are you? T- I, I'm. I'm just like I'm trying to figure out taking off a ring to swim. I, I'm. I don't know. 
Well, I don't know. I mean, he's swimming in the jungle. Maybe he was afraid. Here's the bad part. The only reason you take a ring off to swim is because you're afraid the ring's going to come off in the water. Yeah. But then. And then you lose it when you take it off. Lost it. Right. hmm. So. Okay. All right. Well, that's going to bring us to our resources of the week. And we saved this. uh, There's some news that came out this week about a couple of things going on next week a couple of prayer events in the SBC. And we, we saved that for this part of the show. going to really focus on those uh, right here. But on Tuesday, May the 5th at 3 p.m. Eastern is Praying on the Mountain, which is broadcast online at sbc.net slash pray. Yes. So this comes from a story about Fred Lunsford, who is a former pastor and a former director of missions in Western North Carolina. He's 95 years old. And so he'd pastored for 70 years. He's a World War II veteran, preached at revivals all over the U.S. And he really said, I mean, he said he was ready for the Lord to take him home. But he was spending a lot of time in his personal prayer garden about two miles from his house. And he just felt sort of a stirring of the spirit, says God told him to begin praying for spiritual revival. And he wanted to get as many people praying as he could to pray for spiritual revival. He shared his testimony at a conference and the president of Fruitland College in Hendersonville, North Carolina was speaking and he was just inspired by it. So he shares it with the pastor of Mud Creek Baptist Church and they just started talking. They prayed with Fred Lunsford, listened to this call to revival and they started to spread the word. And so sort of an online sign-up began. They dedicated one day for prayer, and a lot of people have signed up. And now we've got an online event happening. Yeah, so May the 5th, like I mentioned earlier, 3 p.m., you can join the online event, Praying on the Mountain. It's a call to prayer for spiritual awakening in America. Dr. Ronnie Floyd, and you mentioned uh, Fred Lunsford, Greg Mathis, who's the pastor at Mud Creek Baptist Church in Hendersonville, North Carolina, and David Horton, who you mentioned, the president of Fruitland Baptist Bible College, and a few others will be gathering online to join in prayer for spiritual awakening in America. You can watch this online at sbc.net slash pray, as well as the EC Facebook page. I will be sharing those uh, much like we did for the online Good Friday prayer gathering. So uh, that'll be going on on May the 5th. And so we hope that you can join us there. We'll be uh, 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central, 1 p.m. Mountain, noon on the West Coast. So you can do the math wherever you live. But uh, please join us over at sbc.net slash pray for praying on the mountain. And that'll lead us into the National Day of Prayer, which is on Thursday, May 7th. Yes. So there's going to be an event at 2.30 Eastern on the National Day of Prayer. So that's next Thursday. And J.D. Greer will be leading that event. So we got a couple of opportunities to join in some prayer events with uh, SBC leaders next week. Yes. Yes, and there's a prayer guide for that, Praying Through the Seven Centers of Influence in America, and that's available over at sbc.net. You can just click on the the banner there at uh, the website and and go download that prayer guide. Those are to use in your local church. If if your church does not have an online gathering for the National Day of Prayer, uh, we would encourage you to join us at 2.30 p.m. Eastern on Thursday, May 7th for that. We'll also link to that prayer guide in the show notes. So a couple of prayer events next week. Uh, I'm looking forward to both of those uh, on May the 5th and May the 7th. And we hope that you can join us for those 
online at sbc.net and on our Facebook pages over at the Executive Committee and Baptist Press on Thursday. So uh, those those look to be uh, a great events, and I can't wait to see what God does through those. Absolutely. So that's going to do it for our show this week. Please, again, join us on those two prayer events on May the 5th and May the 7th. And uh, I know a lot of churches may be starting to slowly open up, Amy. That's uh, right. And if uh, you're looking for that, we've, we've had a lot of resources this week on Baptist Press uh, for those type of events. Uh, there's a good article in a first person from Ken Brady with 24 questions that you should ask uh, within your church. I know a lot of state conventions are putting out reopening articles and just some guidelines for that and just how, you know, what things to think through. And we also had the, the research from, from Lifeway Research today about churches that plan to reopen. But I, I know your husband and, and Chuck Lawless yep. over at Southeastern are doing something as well. Yeah, the Great Commission Conversations podcast that I had shared with the fate and all the Facebook videos that they've been interviewing folks about the COVID crisis. They're doing a kind of one hour and 15 minute online conference called Regather next week. So Tate Cockrell, Ed Stetzer, Jimmy Scroggins, all doing sort of short talks on ways to identify current opportunities, avoid burnout and prepare for the future as people start to transition back. So good, good stuff. We'll put it, we'll put a link for that too. Yeah. So a lot of resources right now coming from a lot of our seminaries, a lot of our, you know, Lifeways putting out stuff. Uh, I know a couple other churches, uh, Cross Church, up, uh, Nick Floyd hosted an online conference the other day. There's been a few of those type things. So a lot of resources online for churches as we kind of get back into the swing of things here over the summer months. So do take advantage of those. Uh, we hope to see you again on those prayer events next Tuesday and Thursday, and we'll see you next week. See you next week.